Section number 33 of Junior Classics, Volume 4, Heroes and Heroines of Chivalry. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, go to LibriVox.org. Recording by Matt Benzing of Oxford, Ohio. Junior Classics, Volume 4. Heroes and Heroines of Chivalry by William Patton Tales from Early English Chronicles Part 11 The Fight with the Two Giants Retold by F. J. H. Darton As they slept at night, the dwarf woke, fearing that thieves might steal their horses. Suddenly his heart began to quake for less than half a mile away he saw a great fire. "'Arise, young knight,' he cried. "'Arm yourself, and to horse. I doubt there is danger here. I hear a great sound, and smell burning afar off.' Le Baudiconnais slept on his war-horse, and took his arms, and rode towards the fire. When he drew nigh, he saw that there were two giants, one red and loathly to look upon, and the other swarthy as pitch. The black giant held in his arms a maiden as bright as a flower, while the red giant was burning a wild boar on a spit before the flaming fire. The maiden cried aloud for help. Alas, said she, that I ever saw this day. Then said La Bodicanesse, it were a fair venture to save this maiden from shame. To fight with giants so grim is no child's game. He rode against them with his spear, and at the first course smote the black giant clean through the body, and overthrew him, so that never could he rise again. The maiden his prisoner fled from his grasp, and betook herself to Maid Elene, and they went to the lodge of leaves in the wood, and prayed for victory for la peau de Canesse. But the red giant, seeing his brother fall, smote at la peau de Canesse with the half-roasted boar like a madman, and he laid on so sore that la peau de Canesse's horse was slain. But la peau de Canesse leapt out of the saddle like a spark from a torch, and drove at him with his falchion, fierce as a lion. The giant fought with his spit till it broke in two, then he caught up a tree by the roots and smote La Baudicanesse so mightily that his shield was broken into three pieces. But before the giant could heave up the tree again, Le Baudicanesse struck off his right arm, and at that sore wound he fell to the ground, and Le Baudicanesse cut off his head. Then Le Baudicanesse turned to the two maidens, and he learned that she whom he saved was called Violette, and her father was Sir Atore, an earl in that country. Long had the two giants sought to take her, and the day before at eventide they had sprung out on her suddenly and carried her off. La Baudiconesse took the giants' heads, and when he had escorted the maidens to the castle of Sir Atore, he sent the heads to King Arthur. Sir Atore wished to give him Violette to wife, but Le Baudicanesse refused, saying that he was upon a quest with the fair Elene. 
and with that they set forth once more on their journey. Presently they came to the fair city of Carvile, and saw there in a park a castle stout and stark, royally built. Never such a castle had they seen. Oh, said Lobo Deaconess, here were a worthy thing for a man to win. Then laughed Maid Elaine. The best knight in all the country round owns that castle, one gift round, she said. He that will fight with him, be it day or night, is bowed down and laid low. For love of his lady, who is wondrous fair, he is proclaimed that he will bestow a gerfalcon, white as a swan, on him who brings a fairer lady. But if she be not so bright and fair as his lady, he must fight this knight Gifrown, who is a mighty warrior. Gifrown slays him and sets his head upon a spear, that it may be seen from afar abroad, and you may see on the castle walls a head or two set thus. I will fight this Gifrown, said La Bodicanesse and try for the gerfalcon. I will say that I have seen in this town a lady fairer than his, and if he would see her, I will show him you. That were a great peril, said the dwarf. Sir Gifron beguiles many a knight in combat. Heed not that, answered La Bodicanes. I will see his face ere I go westward from this city. Without more ado they came to the town, and dwelt there in the inn for the night. In the morn, Lebodicanes rose and armed himself, and rode with the dwarf towards Gifron's palace. Sir Gifron, when he came out of his house, saw Lebodicanes advancing as proudly as a prince. He rode out to him and cried in a loud voice, Come you for good or for ill? I should have a great delight in fighting you, answered Lebodicanes. For you say a grievous thing, that there is no woman so fair as your lady. I have in this town one fairer, and therefore I shall take your gerfalcon and give it to Arthur the king. Gentle knight, said Gifrown, how shall we prove which of the two be fairer? Here in Carvile City, said Labo Deaconess, they shall both be set in the marketplace where all men may look on them. If my lady, be not so esteemed fair as yours, I will fight with you to win the gerfalcon. All this I grant, said Sir Gifron. This day shall it be done. And he held up his glove for a proof. Sir Labodicanes rode to his lodging, and bade Maid Elaine put on her seemliest robes. Then he sat her on a daffled palfrey, and they rode forth to the marketplace. Presently came also Sir Gifron riding, with his lady and two squires. And the lady was so lovely that no man could describe her. All, young and old, judged that she was fairer than Elaine. She was as sweet as a rose in an arbor, and Elaine seemed but a laundry-maid beside her. Then said Sir Gifron, Sir Labodicanes, you have lost the gerfalcon. Nay, said Labodicanes, we will joust for it. If you bear me down, take my head and the falcon, and if I bear you down, the falcon shall go with me. They rode to the lists, and many people with them. At the first course each smote the other on the shield, so that their lances were broken, and the sound of their onset was as thunder. Sir Gifron called for a lance that would not break. 
this young knight is as firm in his saddle as a stone in the castle wall quoth he but were he as bold a warrior as alexander or arthur lancelot or percival i will shake him out over his horse's crupper together they charged again labodicanus smote gifron's shield from his arm at the shock never yet had man been seen to joust so stoutly gifron like a madman struck furiously back at him but labodicanus sat so firm that gifron was thrown horse and all and broke his leg all men said that gifron had lost the white gerfalcon and they bore him into town upon his shield but labodicanus sent the white gerfalcon to king arthur for a gift and the king sent him a hundred pounds weight of florins and thereafter he feasted forty days in carvile at the end of this feasting labodicanus and the maid elaine took their leave of carvile and rode towards cynodown as they were riding they heard horns blowing hard under a hill and the noise of hounds giving tongue in the vale to tell truth said the dwarf tiandelaine i know that horn well one sir otis de Lyo blows it he served my lady some while but in great peril fled into Wirral. as they rode talking a little hound came running across their way never man saw a hound so gay it was all the colors of flowers that bloom between may and midsummer never have i seen such a jewel said mainelaine that so pleased me would i had him labodicanus caught the hound and gave him to her and they went on their way they had scarce ridden a mile before they saw a hind fleeing and two greyhounds close upon it they stopped and waited under a linden tree to watch and they saw riding behind the hounds a knight clad in silk of india upon a bay horse he began to blow his bugle so that his men should know where he was but when he saw la Bodicanes and the dog in maid elaine's arms he drew rein and said sir that hound is mine i have had him these seven years past friends let him go that shall never be said la Bodicanes, for with my two hands i gave her to this maiden straightway answered sir otis de Lyle, for it was he then you are in peril churl said labodicanus i care not for whatever you say those are evil words sir said sir otis churl was never my name my father was an earl and the countess of carvale my mother were i armed now even as you are we would fight if you give me not the hound you shall play a strange game ere evening whatsoever you do answered labodicanus this hound shall go with me then they took their way westward once more but sir otis rode home to his castle and sent for his friends and told them that one of arthur's knights had used him shamefully and taken his little hound they armed themselves and when all was ready rode out after labodicanus upon a high hill they saw him riding slowly traitor you shall die for your trespass they cried to him when they came a little distance from him sir bodicanes beheld how full of knights the vale was maid elaine he said we are come into a sorry case for the sake of this little hound it were best that you should go into the greenshaws and hide your heads for though i be slain 
yet will I abide combat with these knights. Into the woods they rode, but Lebo Deaconess stayed without, as beseems an adventurous knight. They shot at him with bows and arbalists, but he charged with his horse, and bore down horse and man and spared none. Whosoever Labodikanes struck after the first blow, that man slept forevermore. But soon Labodikanes was beset as in a net. Twelve knights came riding through the forest in arms clear and bright. All day they had rested, and thought thereby to slay Labodikanes. One of them was Sir Otis himself, and they smote at Labodikanes all at once, and thought to fell him. Fierce was the fight. Sword rang on steel, sparks sprang from shield and helmet. Labodikanes slew three, and four flew. But Sir Otis and his four sons stayed to sell their lives there. Labodikanes against those five fought like a madman. His sword brake, and he took a great blow on his helmet that bore him down. Then the foeman thought to slay him outright. But Labodikanes was minded suddenly of his axe that was at his hinder saddle-bow. He quitted himself like a true knight. Three steeds he hewed down in three strokes. Sir Otis saw that sight, and turned his horse and fled. Labodikanes stood no longer on defense but pursued him, and caught him under a chestnut tree, and made him yield. Labodikanes sent this knight also to King Arthur for a sign of his powers, and himself and made Elaine, went to Sir Otis's castle, and there rested, and were refreshed. End of section 33